Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of the PD Sports Podcast. It has been a while uh, between episodes, but we're back today, ready to go, as you can see on your screen or through your audio waves. Damo is here with me. How you going, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad. Uh, we'll stay as a disclaimer. If you hear some hiccups from me, I'm currently the only person in the world that I've ever known to be suffering from hiccups bad enough to have medication for them. So... Uh, if you hear that throughout the episode, I do apologize. But apart from that, I'm good. How about yourself? Yeah, can't complain. Ready to dive straight back into our Premier League preview. So a bit of an interesting one today with sort of that lower mid-table. So probably more of the suggestions on how we're going to get some of these teams uh, out of the trouble they're in. And it's been interesting. Obviously, it's been a while since we've spoken. Um in this sort of realm. So obviously this transfer window's open since the last episode as well. So we can probably delve into some of the signings that have happened for some of these teams or some of the lack of signings yeah. as well to see how that's going to impact them going into next season, which is only a month away now. We're four weeks out. So um, exciting times weeks. ahead. What do you reckon? You just dive straight in? Yeah, let's go, mate. Let's get it out of the way. Let's All do right. It. So the first team on today's radar is Aston Villa. So they're one who I think have been sort of better for the transfer window. Um, yep. They've sort of strengthened in some good areas as I'm trying to adjust the camera slightly for you guys. There we go. So obviously Bubakar Kamara's come in and I think they've also brought in Diego Carlos as well, That's haven't correct. they, at, at the back. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see because they do have a good sort of contingent of centre-backs already whether Bubakar Kamara is actually going to play in the midfield uh, for Villa. But I think they have probably one of the better sides in this sort of window or area of the transfer um, where they've actually strengthened really well uh, very early. So what was, what have your uh, early takes been of Villa? Well, I just feel like Villa have just come out and said, we know exactly what we need, we know exactly what we not want, and we're going to go out there and pay for it. And I feel like Gerard already had that already pre-planned and just shows the forward thinking, forward movement. I expect them to do a lot better than, um, you know, the last season gone. I expect them being towards that top half of the mid-table. Um, and the main reason because of that is just it looks like there is a definite plan there at Villa and the philosophy is slowly becoming um, involved in Gerard's thinking of how the football club should be run. Um, on top of that, though, my only worry with Villa is even though they made all these signings, it's going to be the same old problems where they get themselves in the game. There'll be five, moment, five to ten minutes of madness and they're down. Um, and if they can eke that out of their game, they're going to be quite a strong side next year with the squad they have. Because if you look at the squad they've got, there's a lot of dangerous footballers there that are very explosive, very quick, and can cause trouble for anyone on their day. With that being said, um, to get themselves out of the trouble they're in is just consistency. The only way you're going to build consistency is get the group in together early, do a big preseason, get them playing games together. Um, and, you know, another year under Gerrard in this mid-table sort of realm, even if it's towards a lot half, it's not a bad thing, um, because then there's third season, I expect them to really maybe even push for European, you know, Europa League, um, you know, uh, the second league there that's escaped my mind, um, whatever Conference. it's called. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, no one cares about it, but that's a probably a big step for Villa if they were to sneak into there. But I think that's two years away. This year's all about getting the right pieces of the jigsaw, which I believe they've made two fantastic signings at the back. 
Um, and then from there, they'll strengthen, finish middle to top half this year, and then look for European European football in that third season when they're a bit more consistent. Yeah, and I think out of the teams that we're looking at today, they're probably one team that can really kick on um, because of the investment at the moment. They've got a core there. They started well, they fell away this year, but um, I think they're going to be one of those sides that I think is going to at least push for that upper middle table at a minimum um, and potentially looking at, at Europe. So this year, I'd say for them, it was just personnel. Um, I think they sort of fell away. When they had their main 11 out there, they did start pretty well this year, but then they sort of, I think as the game sort of piled up and obviously the year that we had, there was refixtures and things like that and all the rest of it. And they just They just seemed to just die in the ass a bit sort of around March yeah, or so or uh, February and then scoring goals became an issue for Villa and it just I don't know Ollie Watkins probably didn't have the year I thought he would have had as well and they probably thought he would have had a few more returns same with Danny Ings so I think if they can get the best out of those two um, they'll be in a lot better position uh, next season so I agree and I think the other thing is they had a few injuries as well throughout their scattered through. You know, I don't think they had a full season. You know, Danny Ings, I think Ollie Watkins had a knock at, at some point as well. They had a lot of knocks around at the back. Um, knock at the best out of Leon Bailey as well. Yeah, and I think we also got to remember, this was Gerard. Gerard hasn't had a full season yet. Came in. Yeah. So, you know, it was early days, but he did come in. So be interesting to see what he does with a full season um, as well and a full transfer period under his, uh, you know, his reign. But yeah. I think the signs are there, very promising for Villa. Yeah. So keeping in mind who they've already signed, what do you reckon they need to strengthen? I reckon it's another it's, midfielder. Yeah. To help it's, out it's, McGinn and Douglas Louise. And Coutinho, so... Yeah, I see I Coutinho know. playing more in the front three than in the midfield three for oh, Gerrard. I think, I think it depends what Gerrard plays. He plays that 4 3 1 2 narrow, you play in the 10. If he plays 4 3 3, you might go that wide and then play Ollie Watkins on the other side with Ings in the middle. And then you're missing Leon Bailey, so I don't know. I feel like Coutinho plays in that middle line for Gerrard a lot. Uh, it's Fullbacks are okay. Centre backs are good now because they made the two signs they needed to. Keeper's fine um, as well with Martinez. Yeah. Uh, you might say they might need a dribble a bit more, you know. Prolific goal scorer. I feel like when Danny Higgs is fit and firing, he's up there with the best. So, um, and I feel like Ollie Watkins can chip in too. But if you're being very critical of that Villa side, it's someone that can play 30, 35 games a season, score about 25, 30 goals. But I think everybody in the Premier League looks for that. So, if that's the only like issue, then I think it's more to how right. do the boys gel and how do the team progress as a whole. Yeah, perfect. And that's sort of where I sit too. I think they've got the the pieces in place um, at the moment that's going to put it together and. Get them all out there long enough to make yeah, a big impact. I think that's the the big factor there. So we'll move on from Villa and we'll move up the ladder one more spot to Brentford, which have been a bit of a surprise-ish packet. A lot of people did uh, predict them to go straight down. I think we were pretty strong in the opinion that they would stay, um, yep. just based on what they've done in the championship and sort of some of the personnel and. They got some massive points against some big teams this year just based on the way that they played, obviously knocking Arsenal off in that first opening game. At home, new stadium um, was great to see. And I think a lot of it wasn't the dominance of Tony and Mbwemo and uh, Sergi Canos. It was a lot of uh, being rigid at the back, not conceding heaps of goals, um, but then also making the most of set pieces like throw-ins and 
those real deeper free kicks, I feel like. So, like, centre-backs were getting involved. Like, Pinnock was getting assists and whatnot from bloody throw-ins and just being a bit scrappy when they needed to be. But um, they were really exciting to watch. Ivan Tony, I think he scored 11 or 12 goals this season, which Which for first season in the Premier League is is more than enough. Um, They'd get goals from Norgard and uh, Sergi Canos and... And Buemo, um, and there's someone that's escaping my mind that I feel like I should remember that did contribute a little bit. But um, overall, I was pretty impressed with uh, Brentford this season. Yeah, I, I agree. Christian Eriksen was a signing and a half for them too. Um, and I think it's going to go one of two ways for Brentford. It feels very Sheffield United sort of vibes that the second season syndrome could happen here. I hope it doesn't because me and you, we, we love a bit of Brentford. Um, but I think the more than likely one that does happen here at Brentford is, is that they stabilise and they go down the line of what Brighton's currently doing, where they just stabilise, they set themselves in, they build something in the next minute. Okay, we're really keen to stay and on our day we're going to be really good. Um, and I hope that's the way they go because they play a good brand of football. Um, for me, for their squad, is that they lack really Premier League quality. But unlike Villa, they have a squad that's so gelled and so well together. They've got such a good group dynamic and understanding of what they need to do. It helps them stay in the Prem, I think, again next year. And probably helps them finish in and around the same spot they are again. I think there's one player they need to probably look at getting more out of is in Bremo, who I think put in some good performances but didn't really turn the numbers that we were probably yeah. expecting. Um, but, you know, if you get the same numbers out of Tony, you get a more numbers out of Bremo. Pennock's getting assists. Back four's done well. Ray doesn't get a long-term injury because he's definitely their best number one. They could even finish higher next year. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect them to, um, to be honest. Um, but we haven't seen much of what they've signed. Obviously, Ericsson's not come back. So um, they need probably strength across all three lines, though, to be honest, yeah, if they, they want to push on. So there needs to be some form of investment uh, from the board uh, in order to keep them up. But obviously, you know, the money that they'd be receiving... You'd like to think that they'd strengthen. They probably need. They do need a second striker. I think they do tend to play with like Embuemo off Tony. Oh, yeah. I'd rather see Embuemo play more out wide, um, and be a bit more dynamic on the wing rather than through the middle because he's just not really clinical enough. I think I think he could be sort of more exploited against fullbacks and being more creative than more of a finisher. So if they could bring another striker in and then slide Embuemo out to the right, then I think that would sort of support that play a little bit better. I think the best pot that they've got in the team currently is that central midfield. They're really rock solid in there um, at the moment. So whether they just add a bit of extra quality uh, in there to sort of try and compete for spots and whatnot. And I think defensively, you know, they don't need too much. Um, obviously, smaller squad, Rico Henry, Pinnock, um, maybe centre-backs. They probably could probably do with something. I think they got Aya, don't they? He's probably the, the main yeah. one, but... They're probably looking at maybe another centre-back, but that's sort of where I'd look. I think if you could just get quality, regardless of the position, just, you know, good player, good value. And obviously, we know Brentford's uh, approach to transfers is very data-driven, so they're not going to get too many um, mistakes there. I don't think they will. The way they go about it is just good, and I hope it means that they stay in the Brentford for the next few seasons and the foreseeable future. But in saying that, second-year syndrome is a thing. We'll just wait to see if it happens to Brentford. Yeah, 100%. So we'll slide on up uh, to Crystal Palace. Now, this is an interesting one because I feel like their performances maybe overspoke for their finish of the season. So I haven't actually looked at where things went wrong for Palace this year because I feel like 
they finished the year really, really strongly. I think the one result that sort of sticks in my mind is the uh, Everton one where they were 2 new up and threw it away. So whether that's happened on multiple occasions, because I always felt that Crystal Palace were in a lot of games and for them to finish in this lower mid-table bracket and to be in the middle of that lower mid-table bracket, obviously things didn't go right for Vieira, not overall this year, but in periods this year. But I did feel like a lot of things did go right for them at the same time. Like the performances looked and the, the actual play looked really good under Vieira and some of the numbers, you know, through Edward and uh, Zaha and Elise and Eze, like they've got a team there that can definitely do a lot of good things. But for them to finish this low down, clearly there's some deficiencies in that squad as well. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of just how they're learning to play football under Vieira. They obviously took Palace, the club, on bringing in someone that's going to play this type of football. And I commend them for it because it looks good. It's definitely a philosophy. There's definitely a direction. And Palace just don't want to be this club that just hangs around in the Premier. They want to actually push on. So I've got to give them credit for that. And I think the football, when they play well, looks good. I think there was a game against Arsenal. We were out poor watching Power, I reckon, a print or something like that. And they played Arsenal, blitzed them in the first half, like 3-0. It was the best football I've ever seen Palace play in my life. Um, and with that one there... It just that was kind of the template what Palace can do and could do against teams. Yeah. And then you had the Palace that was the Everton Palace towards the end of the season where they just, Bella you know, Park. just implode. Um, the squad itself is not a bad squad. They've got some players. Yeah, at least good. that's a quality player. Edward is a quality player. Zaha, Zaha, we know he's a proven quantity in the Prem. Um, for me, it's them. It's defensively. They're going to miss kind of Gallagher. So, interesting to see how they strengthen. I feel a few of the Palace board, though. You look at that first season and be like, all right, who do you want? Who do you need? And let's go. Because yeah. if they do that, they're finishing top half next year. Inside that finishing the semi-final of the FA Cup, probably not have the best of you in the Prem, but if you look at expected points, probably should be a bit higher than where they are. The squad's probably not and as that, deep as it needs to be, especially with yeah. five subs this year. Yeah, if they had a bit more better back four, I think Guaita, or whatever you say, the key Gua- name. Oh, Guaita, yeah. He's a little bit whatever for me. I know he pulls up some saves here and there, but I think technically he's a little bit poor as a keeper. So with that being said... Yeah, they've got that Gway at centre-back now who's stepped into that role as well, the former Chelsea centre-back. So he's, he'll be good for them long-term. They've got Mitchell at left-back. So I think that left side of the defence is set. It's about getting that... Yeah. It's about getting that right, right side back. sorted. And a replacement for Conor Gallagher that's as good as Gallagher, unless Georgie somehow turn around and say, yeah, we're going to have him on loan again, which would be ludicrous. I doubt it. There you go. I doubt it too. Yeah. So for Palace, I think, again, that's what I think we're going to notice about this sort of mid-table-ish area. Like these five clubs, I think a lot of them are there for different reasons, but the response is there's clearly something that they're missing <laughs> because it's why yeah. they're there. Like it's, I know that, you know, we're not sort of throwing out names of, of people that could be uh, in those spots, but um, I think Palace is, it's more of a defensive issue where Villas is more of an offensive issue. Uh, Brentford's just a, we need to get a Premier League squad ready to go. So I'm of that same opinion. I think Palace just need to strengthen defensively and that's, you know, they've got the firepower. They've shown that they can score goals. They, you know, they've taken points from big teams, Spurs, Arsenal, um, I think Man City, they took points from again this year. So they, they're they capable of knocking the big boys off because they can, you know, create chances for themselves. So I think that's what we'll see from them next season. And again, I'd, I'd say they sort of finish similar-ish mark next year just because the five subs. Heads in their strength. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the big thing. It's whether they can get, um, you know, a deeper squad, which who knows in this crazy transfer market. Next one up. This is a big one. Newcastle. Oh, mate. I love them. Sven Botman has already announced now. Big centre-back from Lille. So that's a massive signing for Newcastle. That's This is the one that yeah. I'm looking forward to the most this season and seeing the growth because when Eddie Howe came in, they were like, we're going to get relegated. Born. They were Born. rock bottom. Not, nothing to play for, like with. And to be fair, like their January wins though, yes, Bruno Gamares is unreal. Um, and you're not getting that signing unless the takeover happens practically. But they still have to make the signing. Like they were still floating with relegation when they made that signing. Kieran Trippier, for as good as he was, he didn't play that much in the end in because of the injuries. Yeah. So you can't really say that Trippier was a reason that kept them up. And then you're looking at Chris Wood, who probably underperformed for what he'd done at Burnley, but they've still managed to finish almost literally in the middle of the table from being like odds on relegation. So that is a monster turnaround. And now with a window with some backing. Could this be a year where you're looking at Newcastle finishing nine, eight, seven? I'm seeing Newcastle penciling him in at seventh next year. I think that their second half of the year under Eddie Howe, with just a handful of signings that they did, was ridiculous. Like they were top four in the prem second half of the year. Yeah. It was mental. Brewery is a great midfielder. Good, great. Dolanson, what a fine. Eddie Howe comes in, puts him at centre mid. Yeah, what a player. Different player. Them two together are going to be unbelievable. You're then looking at um, you're then looking at what they did in goals. We called it on the last podcast. Well, I definitely did. I said Nick Pope could end up there. Yeah. It's not Nick Pope, it's Dickford. Pope's there now. They've got the best shot stopper in the Premier League now. I just look at their squad and go, if they sign no one from now, I still think they're going to finish in and around that seventh place. Mark, thing is, they got plenty of money. They've got St. Maxton, they've got Chris Wood, they've got Callum Wilson coming back fit. They've got a midfield too that look unbelievable as well. Throw Jondre Shelby, who's no mug into the mix as well. He knows how to spray a pass and win a ball back. Back four looks better now. You've got Trippier, you've got obviously Bolton in, you've got the keeper in. I feel like if they make another centre-back signing and they make another left-back signing and they make, you know, a couple of bigger name signings because they can, their team that under how are going to finish top seven next year. Yeah. And that's where I've sort of got them. i got them floating in that, pushing for Europa League, probably finishing Conference League um, overall for next year. But I think they're just... Goals is still an issue. So that that they defensively were so good last year, but they weren't putting numbers against teams. And I think between Wilson, because Wilson, you can't bank on Wilson. Everyone like he's had five years now of consistent double-digit seasons where it hasn't kicked on because he doesn't play the minutes that you know a, a number yeah. nine, a number one, number nine needs to play. So if he's your second option with Wood as your third option, and they go and get the 15-a-goal season striker that plays more, then they're dangerous. Because, Mac, like say Maximum, for as good as he is, we know he's not... He doesn't put numbers up. He's a flair player that will do something out of nothing that'll you create an opportunity. It might not be a goal or an assist, but it creates the chance because he'll do something ridiculous at the halfway yeah. line. Burn three and then plays the pass to the assist or because his numbers have never been fantastic and he's not going to just magically turn into a 10 and 10 winger or a 5 and 10 winger because that's just not him like he doesn't he does really 
audacious things. And a lot yep. of the time it doesn't come off. Like he does things and you're like, it looks awesome. But then there's like his end product is the big issue with St. Maximin. So yeah, I think as the team gets better, his numbers will naturally get better too though because there's more issues to deal with. So it's not just stop St. Maximin, stop Newcastle. But they need to strengthen around him so that he's now no longer the the one guy creating everything. So that's for me where Bruno's obviously stepped in. But with Bruno there, St. Maximin's numbers still didn't really yeah. go mental. So And really they shouldn't need to. If he can kind of be a, a 9, 8 goal and the same sort of so 16 contributions I think you're taking that from him it's more what he provides in the game is that teams worry about him so much that he drags players and whatever and he creates a space for everybody else and like you said he's he's his sister to the assist usually and it doesn't help his numbers but it helps in the dynamic of how the team plays and if you give the guy space and time he will hurt you. I do think that if he has better players around him, that that opposition has to worry about more than just him, he will get more goals and assists this season. He might yeah. turn into a 10 and 10. You've got to remember, if, if Newcastle don't finish 7th or 8th, and they finish 10th or 11th this season, that's not a bad year if they're building. 100%. Because then that third season is fine. Um, and then that third season is what you look towards. So it is one of those ones where if they strengthen more, you can dare to dream that finishing in Europe, which would be cool. And I think they can do it. It's just important to see who they sign from here on, what are the core they keep, because I do think they need to keep some of this core. Um, and then from there, off they go. I think a lot comes down if Callum Wilson stays fit for goodness sake for once yeah. in his life. He could score 25 to 30 goals this season, and that's, that's a big thing to say. But I think Callum Wilson, with the amount of service he'd get, knowing how proven he is when he is in front of goals and he packs penalties, if he stayed yeah. fit for 35, 40, you know, 38 games a season, my word. Yeah, he'd be at least yeah pushing that twenty at a minimum if yeah with the chances they're going to get crowded around him. And I think maybe it's it's that left side. So they've got um the dude from Norwich. What was his name again? Um, left back, Aaron's. Oh, is it Aaron's? Yeah. Max yeah. Aaron's. So they've got no. He's the right back. I can't remember who the left back was. Oh no, I'm not gonna. I, I know exactly who it is, but I can't remember English, his name now. English lawyer, isn't it? Yeah, he's English. Um. But regardless, we know he um, will provide uh, Lewis. Is it Jamal Lewis? Jamal Lewis. Yeah. So we know Jamal Lewis is, you know, good enough at this level. He hasn't done it on a consistent basis. So they had, what, Matt Target come in uh, on loan as well. I don't know if he signed permanently. Um, That's probably something to look into. But I think, yeah, right back, obviously, Kieran Trippier, if he can stay fit, is, is a massive option for them. But, again, I think... High, the ceiling for them is finishing in Europe, which is crazy, and the floor is the sort of mid table again. So, you know, end of the day, they're not going to be loitering with relegation, they're not going to be um, in the danger, I don't think, unless it just all goes pear shaped. But I can't see that happening. So, if you're a Newcastle supporter, I think you're probably six months ahead of schedule because of the turnaround that they had from January. 100%. Yeah. So our last team for today, which was one of the teams that I'm being most excited to kind of pick apart because it's been a 12 months of just what the hell's happened here. But Wolves, um, since losing Nuno, really, he hasn't felt the same with Wolves. Um, I don't know. They play very similar, but he just hasn't had the same aura. And 
Obviously, Jimenez hasn't been the same, I don't think, since his unfortunate injury. Um, Adama leaving in January, you lose a spark there. Uh, defensively, they've still been good, though, I'd say. And we were talking about Wolves all the way up to the run-in, really, weren't we? Talking about how they could yeah. get into Europe. So, end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Like They've finished 10th, but we were talking about Wolves potentially finishing like 6th. Their last yep. five games, they lost three and drew two. So they just fell apart at the end of the season. And in a clump of teams who finished within... So from sixth, it was seven points from 10th to sixth. And when you're not winning any of those last five games, you can see how that they've finished where they've finished. So yeah, again, the narrative of this five-team bracket here, so from 14th to 10th, was all about quality and staying fit. Because all of these teams really have squads capable, maybe bar Brentford, have squads capable of finishing 9, 8, 7th. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, so Wolves, for me, again, it, it's goals. Fabio Silva, for as much as we love him from an FM perspective, hasn't really had the time, I don't think, yeah. in these two years to play. Yeah, and like Huang Hee Chan came in this year and was okay. Uh, he wasn't dreadful. I remember we played on the last game of the season, obviously, against Wolves. And I, if his shooting boots were on, we would not have won that game because he had two massive chances early against Liverpool uh, to really put us to bed at 1-0 already. Pardon? That's his issue, bro. He's done that throughout the season when you watch him play. Yeah, not being he's clinical. He's good areas, but he's not clinical. I think if it's Fabio Silva that you're thinking of, he hasn't been given enough time to grow into being Premier League strikers. Nah. He needs to go online. I think the Raul Jimenez one is interesting. Do you do you sell your best player at a point where you can get good money for him, knowing that his best years could be behind him now after watching the season of the one that he had? Which is harsh, but maybe that's what you do to give Silver more game time. Stand a bit more consistent game time to you know, see if he's really at the level. So I think the verdict's still out if he's or isn't. Yeah. Um, does that give you the emphasis to improve this squad? I think if you look at Wolves, the biggest problem they had was losing Nuno, and they probably lost the dynamic of the group that they had. Portuguese group under Nuno, all firing on fourteen, knowing exactly what they want to do. Yes, they've done well to try and mirror it, but it's a different yeah. feel and a different way of play. I think for them, their biggest plan is going to be Neto. If Neto's fit, they can get Fabio Silva going, the squad would be good enough because Connor Cody, Jose Sar is one of the best keepers in the Prem. Yeah, Bolly's so been good. Bolly's been good. Coutinho, Neves. They've got a team that is good enough. I yeah. think they might lose Neves. Then Donka. I feel like if I'm Wolves, I'm turning around and looking at that squad and going, if I lose Neves and I lose Jimenez, this window, for big money, like Neves leaves asking 80 plus mil if Declan Rice is going to go for that much. Right? Yeah. I'm then rebuild turning around time. Going, going, who do we need? Who do we want? Who do we rebuild? Off we go. And if you want to play this 3 5 2 for 5 3 2, whatever they play, that five of the back system, they sometimes play with, with a wide man of yeah. like a 5, you know, 2 2 2 1, whatever. Um, who do we need? For me, it's. Well, Gibbs White comes Silver. back as well. Yeah. That's, that's big. True. He had a really that's good massive. year at Sheffield. So that's another creative midfielder that's coming back. Yeah, oh. I agree. So it's not I a position like, they need. That's the other thing. I feel like they should sell up 
Yeah. And go, all right, let's refresh the squad a little bit because it's getting a bit stale. Yeah, I agree. I know you're losing Jimenez, and I know you're losing Neves. You're losing Neves for top dollar. You will find someone that's going to be as good in and around. Um, that is going to be a keeper for you and be a good investment. For me, it's a Jimenez one, and I'll be like, you know what? You don't buy in mind. You let Fabio Silva play in the night, get Neto on the left, and you buy a right winger. And that's what you buy. And if you can find a very tricky right winger with Neto on the left-hand side of Fabio Silva up top, you've got to have that extra little bit of diamonds and then what Jimenez is. And I'm not writing Jimenez off, and I still think he had a good season for what he has, but it's not the Jimenez involved with that injury. I feel yeah. like if there's a team out there that wants to pay 30, 35, 40 million for him, you just go. You take the money. Thank you. Thank He's you on the other side of 30 mate. already as well, I think. Yeah, so. you, thank you for your services, and off you go. You know what? And Jimenez could get a move to another Premier League club and do well. Like, if I'm, if I'm Newcastle... And I want to be deadly serious. I would yeah. take a year behind Jimenez. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Proven you know, finisher. That's it. But or Brentford. Hey, that's a good shout. Off top. Him and Tony. Him and Tony. Because yeah. Tony's athletic. Like Tony's really deceptive. Uh, yeah. Um, Jimenez is your bigger quote striker. Yep. Although Tony is a big boy, but he can. He's like very Tammy Abraham like, where he can run channels and. Yeah. Be a bit more explosive, but he's probably better actually. To be fair, than um, than Abraham using his body, not as a finisher, but using his body. I've, I've got a shout for you, but it should go. I don't want to happen. David Moyes should look at him at West Ham and be like, a year or two years yeah. out of you, mate, and then we're in the Champions League. And yeah, I could, could see happen. that. I could see that, that happening, happen. especially yeah. with West Ham. They've been needing a striker now for a couple of years too. Um, yeah. Could see that working, and that allows them to use Antonio in a bit of a different role as well. So I mean, we can definitely talk about that next. Yeah, or put him out wide, role. Bowen. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe one of them up front with a Jimenez. Yeah, that'd be cool. But um, I think Wolves have options, and that's why I think they always will finish around this mark. Is that the squad's too good not to? But I just don't think after Nuno leaving, the squad's got a little bit stale. I feel like they need to sell a couple just to reinvest in areas. Yeah, but why? I don't know. For me, Ruben Evans is one of those guys that always gets linked everywhere, never gets a bid. So we'll wait and we'll see. Yeah. So out of these group of five, I think we could probably unanimously say Newcastle's the one that's got the the ceiling to well exceed what they've done. So out of the four, because we'll take Newcastle out because it's a bit unfair, which one of Villa, Brentford, Palace, Wolves do you see turning it around the best for next season? Palace. Just because I think the philosophy's there and they get the right side and they're going to be really good. Lise, Edward, Zaha. Midfield would be interesting to see if they're with Gallagher. Decent ish back four, but I feel like in Stremford, I just feel like there's a bigger base there. Yeah. I feel like Villa's also in the same kill and the size they've made. But Villa, you're like relying on unknown, and that's where yeah. I've been tossing up. It's how do yeah. new signings gel? Sometimes it works, sometimes it's dreadful. So that's why yeah. I was a bit, I was thinking Palace or um, Villa, but Villa. I was leaning that's Palace. Yeah. The only one that can go the other way is Brentford just because they might not have the quality and they might show next year, but we'll see. And then Wolves are a, a real unknown as well because we don't know. Like for me, when I think of, when I look at Fabio Silva, it it's interesting because if they hadn't seen enough of him, I feel like he would have gone on loan by now. No. So clearly they have. see something that they want to keep him in the squad. Like, there's no reason. If you didn't know and you wanted him to play, he would have gone back to Porto. Like, that's how I see it. Like, they would have said, keep, like, we want you, but keep playing regularly. Like, 
he could have been. This is what frustrates me because he really could have been playing Champions League football these last two years with Porto, and still getting better for it whilst being at Wolves. So they've clearly got something in the realm that they're going to use him. Like they otherwise they've just absolutely stunted two years of his growth, which makes no sense for a class footballer. Yeah. So like, what is the for a 40 million 17 year old at the time that hasn't really started in two years. What's the when? When's it going to happen? Because you got to gotta give it a go. Like, the, like, I know they've had options there, but surely he plays ahead of Wang Hee Chan. I just didn't get it this year. Like, it didn't make sense. What's the purpose of having him? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But anyway, that's just me with Wolves. I think. Yeah, I think it's Wolves are never going to be a team. I think that are going to blow people away. They're going to always be defensively solid. They're always going to have a good goal. Well, not even a good goal difference. A close to zero goal difference because the good teams will pump them and then they will chip away at the middle to lower teams. Um, they're not a team that typically score threes and fours regularly. They're a very two nil, two one, one nil type team and I see them doing that again this year um, and they're probably one team that I don't see fighting for Europe because I just yeah. don't think I think they're going to have that little mini decline that then forces the rebuild the year after yeah I agree and it's going to be interesting to see how all of these teams go but Wolves are the most unknown Newcastle's got the highest ceiling Brentford has the one that's got the most potential to go as wayward as from this position as possible. But we'll wait and we'll see. And that's the beauty of it. I love preseason for it. There's been signings. We've got a few of them right on the pod. So yeah. it, 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 it's going to be an interesting next four weeks. Yeah, 100%. So we've got plenty to cover still um, over the next couple of weeks. And I think once we do our final, like the top four preview, I think it'll be good for us to do a bit of a uh, – predicted table just to yep. give us some reference to next season um obviously world cup sort of in the middle of this year is going to make things interesting so teams that have a higher proportion of players going to that tournament are going to need to utilize some rotation where some of those you know, middle teams like your crystal palaces they're not going to have many people going to the world cup so seasons yep. for them could be really beneficial because they'll get a three or four week block where they can continue training and staying in that mindset and playing friendly. I'm expecting to see friendlies, you know, off the back of, of the world cup as well. So I'm yeah. feeling like teams like Brighton and palace and whatever that aren't going to have heaps of players get called up to the world, even wolves to be fair, because Portugal didn't make it. So, um, they're not going to have that interruption the same way like we're going to have that interruption in City and Chelsea where the player, like big proportions of those better squads are going to lose players and they're going to be playing more football than those this or this middle bracket team. Even Newcastle, yeah. to be fair, don't have many re- players representing nations in World Cup. So that's what's going to be interesting for me, I think. Um, from those five, um, that's probably all I've got to comment on. Any final thoughts, Dame? Um, 
Not much when it comes to those five. Obviously, we've done now the first like bottom half of the table. So the next the next top half is going to be a bit more interesting about who can push on and who can challenge and etc. And it's definitely been some signings that we have to talk about when we get to those teams. I like you know City and Liverpool definitely made some signings and some re-signings, yeah. which has definitely been good. Um, and yeah, and at the same time as well, Paul, it's probably not a miss to say that there is other sport on at the minute. We definitely are well aware of it. As well, just with this much Premier League stuff going on, we obviously keep it very Premier League based. But you know, I want to bring up the fact that you know we've had Curios beat Sitsipas last night. Dimonua's in the fourth round as well. Um, it's the first time in a recent memory we've had a couple of Australian men play as Kubler as well um, make the fourth round. So that's yeah. awesome. Have the Tom Amovich and the other side and Wilburton making it as well. So even without Ashbardi, we still got a woman in the second round, which uh, the second week, which is great. Um, and then you're looking at other sport as well. You had the Live Golf Breakaway that was successful. Yeah, it's mental. DGA, which is mental, the money going around. And you have other sport as well. you got Travis Head taking four wickets and 17 bulls <laughs> in the cricket against Sri Lanka, which yeah, in the, the series South Aussie we're expecting right to do well. Is, is yeah. me and Paul hope that, you know, it's down the line. <laughs> we're going to have a five-wicket haul in us next year. Yeah. Um, but we have plenty of other sport, and we'll keep you up to date with that, of course. But and the footy's been... Of- Unbelievable. Like we need to start doing more AFL as well we for our Aussie we listeners do. because this season, man, is just un- like unreal. As a punter, it, you, like you would this. not want to be a punter this year because no, teams are knocking teams off and things are just going mental and somehow Port have found some continuity um, with a big one North today. Pardon? North Melbourne are horrid, so yeah, well, we yeah, don't, get, don't get around them. Could have predicted and, that uh, one from the start of the year. I think we could have too. <laughs> And there's just been so many teams that just go go and turn up on the day and beat another side and just be like, hello, where did that come from? Or well, like for me, but, the best one was bloody Essendon last week when and lost the West Coast over in Perth yeah, and I then turn up and it. beat Sydney. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I know. It was like, where's that hell? come from? It's been, it's been one of those years. It, it's all been one of those years yeah, in, in a every, lot of sports. Every sport, even the, F, the F1s as well um, have been interesting. Another one. I didn't even see it last night. Yeah, so. Carlos Haynes got his first pole last night, so there you go. There we go. Ferraris are flying. So, look, we're probably going to, you know, in the next couple of weeks, probably start doing multiple podcasts. It's just been we haven't had the time over the last few weeks, obviously. If you've been following us on socials, you would have noticed my socials were a bit quiet. I've been uh, flat out with some uh, personal things and demos, sort of been, been posting quite a bit, uh, posting been some busy. things on his uh, channels as well. So, if you want to find out what demo's been up to, Jump over to Damo underscore 23 on all platforms uh, to get that knowledge. And for myself, it's poorly 29 across all platforms. Um, Damo, thank you for your participation this morning. I know it's a shorter one today, but I think short, sharp, shiny, and we move on to the upper mid table in the next episode. Yeah, I reckon so. Thank you very much for listening. And no hiccups, Paulie. I know there you did well. Go. I'm very surprised after I yesterday's escapades. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, if you want to follow us on those other platforms, once again, links are in the description of this video and of the podcast, depending on what your listening uh, style has been for this episode. But obviously, Damo is Damo underscore 23 across Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. And I'm Paulie29 across no. those platforms. Um, the Stadium Discord link is in the description of both as well and we'll see you very very shortly hopefully for the next premier league preview of the mid table